Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. It is good for us to be here, and I invite you to turn with me to the text for the evening, which will come from 1 Timothy chapter 6, and we will begin at verse 11, and we will be highlighting verse 12 throughout this message. I remind you that the outline for this study is in Realm. They put it up there for you and so you can use that to keep up and uh, to notice and keep it for uh, reference or to use and ask questions later about what we are studying. I begin in verse 11, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness Godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. We have already in this series of lessons considered two other concepts that are a part of the current, that represent part of the current problem in our world physically and spiritually. We've been looking at a vision of what can be in the morning time in the evening, we're taking a look at what is, a time of self-evaluation, both individually and congregationally. We have already noticed and we've examined ourselves, are we really able to be brothers without borders? Are we able to find real connection, real unity, real harmony? When the world around us seems to be blowing up, when everybody seems to be on edge, when everything is pitting person against person, are we as the people of God able in that condition to pay brothers without borders? Number two, we've also examined ourselves as to whether we can practice soundness without spitefulness. In the midst of all of this chaos, in the midst of all of this trouble, there are the shouts of people saying things, demanding things, expecting things, and they claim or think they have a sound basis. But the way that they are saying it, the way that they are representing it, the words that they use, the attitudes that make up what they say and do is nothing but pure spite. God wants us to be sound in what we do, but we have to present that soundness in a way that is not spiteful against others. Now tonight we're going to consider because of this chaos and this trouble, we are in fact in a warfare. Can we have a warfare without war? 
We've already considered this morning that it is possible to do that because it is the case that the warfare that we engage must have the proper attitude, the proper mentality, so as not to have a warlike mentality while still in the warfare. So tonight we examine ourselves. Are we able to do what God wants us to do? How are we doing in this concept? Being in a warfare without war, without the war mentality. Go with me to this verse, particularly verse 12 of 1 Timothy 6. And let's pull out a few points by which we can understand some things that I think are necessary as all of these lessons have been designed to deal with the current situation in which we find ourselves, the chaos, the trouble, the upheaval. Number one, warfare without war is gut-wrenching. It's tough. It is not easy. What I am asking, what we are talking about, what we are thinking about, it's not something that will be easily done. To be at warfare without a warlike mentality is not easy. This word says that, the word that begins verse 12, fight. That word is actually the Greek word agonizomai, which you can hear our word agony. The fight to which we are called, the warfare in which we find ourselves is not easy. It's agony. It is tough. And it's going to take everything about us in order to do that. But even in that toughness, even in that difficulty, God calls us away from a warlike mentality while in the warfare. Oh. But we still must be aggressive. It's interesting, isn't it? Look at this verse. Look at this word. He says to fight, and then he says, lay hold on eternal life. That word lay hold is a word that means to seize it, to grab it, to count upon it as your salvation. What are you doing because it is absolutely the right thing and the only thing. It almost has, this word, almost has a desperation about it. A, a desperation that has you grasping onto it and holding on with everything you have and not letting anyone deter you from it. Yes, we are in a warfare heading toward the saving of the soul. But we dare not lose our aggression while we try to stay away from a warlike mentality. And there is where the gut-wrenching part happens. I aggressively want to pursue the things of God. Notice what he said, in fact, in verse 11. 
He said, flee from these things that he has already been talking about. And he says, now pursue, go after. You know what that word pursue is? It's the word for persecution. When someone persecuted somebody by going after them. When Paul, Acts 8, went and pursued those Christians to persecute them. That's the same concept. What's he saying? We should not have a warlike mentality in this warfare, but we certainly must be aggressive. A desperation. Lay hold on eternal life. This warfare in which we find ourselves literally is a matter of life and death. And that is gut-wrenching. Number two in this verse is sort of a contrast, a word that we need to understand. He says, fight the good fight. Is it ever good to fight? Well, I think it is. It's good to fight for our salvation. It is good to lay hold, to seize that which will help us be saved for eternity. It is good. How is this fight good? What does this word good refer to? Well, the way the word is used is a word that speaks of its appearance. That which is good has an appearance of being good. In other words, it is something that everybody can look at and everybody can judge and they can say yes, good, or no, bad. If it is good, it will be seen to be good. It is something that will be understood. It just is good. It appears to be that way. It's used a bunch of times in Scripture as you would suspect over a hundred time, times in fact. At times it refers to these kinds of things. John the baptizer told those coming to him of the Pharisees, he said, bring forth uh, fruits worthy or good for repentance. Good fruit, he said. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. In Matthew 13 and verse 8, Jesus talked about the parable of the soils and one of those soils was good soil. Later on in that chapter, in verse 27, another parable had some servants talking up to the master who had sown good seed in his field, and now it is full of tares. Did you not sow good seed, they said? In verse 45 of Matthew 13, Jesus spoke about a man who was looking for a beautiful pearl of great price or a good-looking, its appearance was Good, it's the same concept. The book of Mark. Mark shows that salt is good. But if the salt loses its seasoning, 
How are you going to salt it? Therefore, salt has the property of being good. It looks like it is good. It appears to be good. Of course, sometimes it may not if it loses its seasoning. But it looks. It has the appearance, the concept, the knowledge that it is good. In Luke 21, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, look at the beautiful stones, the good stones. They appeared to be that way, beautiful. But also 1 Timothy 3 and verse 7, where in speaking about one who would be a shepherd, an elder in the Lord's church, must have a good reputation that people know. See, this word is a word that refers to people seeing it and therefore understanding from it that it is good. Many other passages we could give. Here is the point. Whether the warfare that we fight is good or bad is dependent upon us. The fight is a good fight. But I can turn it into something that is bad by the way that I fight. If I have a warlike mentality, my warfare turns out to be a bad fight. But if I fight the good fight of faith with the proper concept, the proper mentality, the proper attitude, then it is, in fact, a good fight that everybody can see and everybody can recognize warfare without war is good. But finally, third, and basically the heart of this discussion, warfare without war can be gauged. That is, we can examine it. We can consider it. We can compare it to a standard and figure out how we are doing in the process. As we have done in two previous times, let me ask you. Think about yourself as we go through these things. How are you doing individually in this warfare without war. And we're going to look at the four concepts from this morning and then compare ourselves to them to see how we're doing. And at the same time, let's think about it congregationally. How are we doing as a church? As we are warfare without war. Let's gauge ourselves in the remaining few minutes of our time together by using the four characteristics that I laid out this morning for warfare without war. Let's look at them and use them as our gauge. Number one, how are you doing? with the characteristic that says right makes might. You remember this morning that in war, the warlike mentality is the opposite. Might makes right. But in a Christian warfare, using the proper attitude and the proper mentality, the proper environment, 
we find that right makes might. How are you doing with that characteristic? Are you able to say that what is right is that which my family has decided? Which the government has decided? Which the majority has decided? Or maybe it's what I have decided. There are a lot of people who in thinking about the concept of being right use any one of those four things as their standard to know what is right. If you are doing well in the right makes might, then those four standards will not be yours. The standard that will be yours is the standard that says whatever God wants is what is right. And what is right heals the wounds of war. What is right heals the wounds of war. I thought about this idea with respect to what seems to be a phenomenon in our time. In the wars that we have been involved in as a country, it amazes me that when those wars are over, we turn right around many times and become the benevolent people to help fix the problems that were caused in that warfare. That's a fascinating idea to me. And that has happened in this country. And that's exactly what should happen in our spiritual warfare. We should be the people who heal the damages done in the warfare. And how is that going to be done? By doing what is right. Because what is right gives you might. Notice the words of the Hebrew writer in chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Strengthen the hands that hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather healed. This text says, make straight paths for your feet. That word straight is our word good. The same word we've been noticing. It is good, I meant to say, it is right. The word straight is right, not good. Which right is good, so that helps too. But the point is, make a straight path, make a right path for your feet so that you will not be healed, harmed anymore, but rather you will be healed. Here's what I think he's saying. When Christians warfare with the proper mentality, not a warlike mentality, the right that we do heals the harm done by Satan in the spiritual warfare 
in which we are engaged. How are you doing? Are we doing what is right for the purpose of healing those who have been damaged? Right makes might. Number two, how are you doing in your warfare battle? Are you concentrating on beating, discussing, arguing with people or with principles? The warlike mentality concentrates on the people. The, the warfare that the spiritual person will engage will concentrate on the principle, not the person. When we are in a warfare with someone with whom we disagree, when, when we are being confronted by those who teach that which is error, and we're wanting to fight, and we're wanting to be against it, and we're wanting to oppose it, are we opposing the person? Or are we opposing the principle? How are you doing? Are those personal attacks? People know whether you are attacking them or what they are saying. And we need to make that distinction. In fact, that's exactly what Jude says in Jude 22. On some have compassion making a difference. He is speaking there about people who are in trouble. They are not doing well. The war against the forces of Satan is not doing well for them. And he says to the faithful child of God involved in the spiritual warfare, have compassion on them. Make a difference. What difference is he talking about? What are the differences we need to make? There are probably many. Maybe we need to come back and discuss that at a different time. But I can tell you one, God expects us to make a difference between the person and the principle that person is espousing. How are you doing in your warfare without war? Are you attacking the principles, the points, or are you attacking the person? There's a way to stand up for God, to stand up for truth, to be aggressive in the fight without attacking people. I call us to that. God calls us to that. As a church, how are we doing that way? As representatives of this church in the world every day, how are you doing? Making sure as best you can that you not attack people, but rather challenge their principles. Number three, in this warfare against Satan and everything, one that he is using and that lets themselves be used by him. 
Is it your intention? How are you doing? Are you trying to win that war? Are you trying to beat that person? Are you in that moment trying to walk away and say, I won, I won, I won? That's what the warlike mentality does. It wants to dominate in the moment. But in spiritual warfare, we want to serve God first. Because if we serve God first, we will then be serving other people because in serving God, or we serve other people, and that serves God. God calls us to service serving other people. Go back to that passage in Jude. The next verse, verse 23, makes this same concept. Real, He says, verse 23, but others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. Yes, we should fight against the things that are wrong. But we are also supposed to serve them. Notice what he says. <coughs> it is actually pulling them out of the fire. If I'm involved in warfare against something that is sinful, battling with another person, am I doing it with the intention of pulling them out of a dangerous situation? Or am I doing it with an intention of stepping on them, burying them, and shoving them farther into it. How are you doing? How are we doing in serving others as our service to God, pulling them out of the fires of that warfare? Finally, how are you doing with this attitude that says, I must do what matters first. Then I can go and punish that which is wrong. How are you doing concentrating on yourself first? There are so many people who enjoy the fight against everybody else. They enjoy the concept of going after other people. They look forward to the fight. In fact, you know of people who are constantly looking for a fight, don't you? And those people love the whole concept of fighting against that which is wrong. Well, I think we should fight against what is wrong, but not enjoying the punishment and the aggression that comes through that situation. We want to present a different mentality. Listen to the words that Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4. Starting in verse number 15, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident by all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Notice... Continue in them, for in doing this you will both save yourself and those who hear you. What was Timothy's instruction from Paul? 
You do all that matters first for you. You save yourself. You do what is right first. Don't make the goal of your life to walk around attacking everything that is wrong and neglect your own salvation. In fact, if I'm concentrating on my salvation to lay hold on eternal life for myself, then I won't have time to spend all of my time simply punishing that which is wrong. Christians are not always out running around looking to pick a fight. The spiritual warfare takes the fight that comes to them and stands there firmly and solidly wanting to stand up for that which is right, but at the same time to give an opportunity to save the person who happens to be wrong. It is possible for us to have the warfare that God wants us to have without the warlike mentality that doesn't in that mentality save very many people. But of course that should be our goal. Hope this series has been beneficial to you as we continue to think about how do we live in this chaotic and difficult world as Christian people. Thank you for joining us tonight. May God bless our nation. May God bless our church. May God bless each one of us as we strive to do the best we can through Him in these very difficult times. As I close, I want to say one more thing. This coming Wednesday night, we will still be having a, an online Bible study. And we're going to start a study of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. David Pear, Jack Hall, and I will be teaching those lessons. And we will probably study these two books for the rest of this year on Wednesday night. I hope that you will make time to be with us. Open your Bibles. And let's have a good Bible study in the books to the Corinthians. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.